Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. It's Henry Lopez with you here today, and we have Gina Horky with us. Hi, Gina. Hi. Thanks for having me, Henry. I did pronounce your last name correctly, right? You did. I was lucky to be married into that one. (laughs) Well, let me tell our listeners a little bit about you, and then I'll have you add to it. Uh, Gina, at one point, was working for a financial services company had two children, she still has them as far as I know, Uh, was responsible for the family income while her husband stayed at home and helped raise the kids, which is wonderful, and then ventured into freelance writing and providing virtual assistance services while maintaining her day job, which is tremendous. And so we'll we'll definitely be chatting about that. Within six months of starting her side freelance business, she was earning $4,000 a month Again, this is all while working full-time and raising her two toddlers. And it wasn't much thereafter that she gave her boss pink slip, in other words, quit, and became a full-time freelancer. And we're going to chat with Gina today about what that means and what that entailed. Quote that I love somewhere I found, quote, you too can start living the life you want without having to be filthy rich or waiting to retire. So we're going to chat about that as well. And her business is called Horky Handbook. So once again, Gina, welcome to the show and please add a bit more to your background as we get started here in today's interview. Sounds great. So I'm Gina Horky. I'm from Minnesota. I call myself a married millennial mama to two precocious toddlers. Our daughter just turned three and our son will be five this fall. So they'll both be in preschool coming up here in a couple of months. And I work from home. Like you said, my husband is a stay-at-home dad in 2013, right after Shelby was born. He quit his job and um, decided to stay at home with the kids, something we never really thought was possible. But because of some changes we made financially before that, uh, we were blessed to be able to make that change for our family. And so then I started carrying the brunt of being the breadwinner. And I wasn't super in love with finance. So I decided to also make a change, but I couldn't up and quit my job. So I had to start a side hustle first to see if it would work out. So the fact that you didn't like the field you got into finance, is that what initially created this motivation to do something else? Or was there something before that that was driving you to be your own boss? So I was half, I was like pseudo self-employed at that point where I had a small practice myself as a financial advisor. And then I worked as a support person to this larger financial planning firm. And uh, there were aspects of it that I really liked. I loved the clients that I worked with. I am a geek about numbers and I like planning for goals and, you know, running analysis and certain things like that. But alongside that comes compliance and getting pre-approval for everything you put out there on the internet and a bunch of red tape that just isn't fun to walk through on a daily basis. Plus, I didn't see how I could have the flexibility that I desired in that particular career. Uh, Since moving into freelance, I've actually seen a lot of people 
operate financial planning businesses online, working with clients all over the United States or world. But when I was in that realm, it wasn't really possible, especially with the firm that I was with. So that was kind of my initial motivation is, you know, I've been doing it almost a decade. I wanted some more flexibility and some freedom. I didn't know how to go about achieving that. And I wasn't 100% fulfilled, uh, although I had it good at that time, which is kind of unique too. Yeah. So if you go back that that decade when you first started, is that a field you went into right out of school or how did, how did you end up in financial services? For the most part, yeah. I had one kind of career job prior to that on the health and fitness side of things. My background is actually in psychology. Um, and again, kind of money and, and numbers was something that was an interest of mine. So I decided to go for it. And that was kind of my first real long-term career. And so back then, did you see yourself as eventually owning your own business? You know, I don't know. I mean, I've, I think I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit, definitely take charge. Um, I like to, you know, have control, I guess. But I, I don't know what my goal was, you know, being young and just kind of breaking into corporate America. Um, I think it's kind of evolved over time. And again, that desire for flexibility and for freedom. So for the flexibility part, I, I've been talking about that a lot. So my husband's a stay-at-home dad. We have these two toddlers. And this last year, we decided to kind of cash in on that. And we went to South Padre Island, Texas. Again, mm -hmm. I'm from Minnesota. And so it's a little colder here in the winter. And we spent six weeks down there. And I worked from our little condo. And he would take the kids to the beach every day. And then I would, you know, take a break from work and join them at the pool or at the beach. And it was just amazing. And we never pictured our life being able to be like that. And it has been able to because of kind of this career change that I've made and that he's made. And we're going to do it again next year. Mm -hmm. So it, it almost sounds, Gina, like you, you struggling for the words, but you kind of stumbled onto this. In other words, as you ventured into it out of necessity and wanting to get out of the financial services field, you ventured into this area of freelancing, and now you're beginning to realize more and more every day the flexibility and the freedom that it gives you. Is that a fair assessment? A hundred percent, yes. All right. So back then you, you were working full time. And, and so what is it because you were ready to get out of that field? Is that what drove started to do freelancing or was it a financial need as well? What what drove it initially? Well, I knew that if I wanted to change careers, like it was all kind of on me. We had his role, Wade's role as a stay-at-home dad kind of carved out. Um, and I didn't see myself going back to school for two or four years to create a new career. I, I wasn't sure what else I would do if I started interviewing. Um, you know, I worked like 10 minutes from home. I actually had a four day work week because of what I had negotiated with my firm. So I had a lot of good things going. I was paid adequately for, for what I was doing as well. And so I didn't understand how I could make a career change and keep those benefits until I started to do some research online and I came across freelance writing for the web. I dipped my toe in that. I had some success and realized that kind of my income potential was up to me and then a couple months later took on that first virtual assistant client and that predictable income from that first VA client was what allowed me to then put in my notice because I felt confident that if I could earn that much on the side of my full-time job that I could replace my salary pretty easily doing it all the time. 
Got it. And so the freelancing thing that was you had searched online. Why did you lean that way? Was it leveraging skills you had in the area of writing and so forth? Yeah. You know, I've always, always loved to write. Um, I'm fairly good at, you know, communicating in that medium. I had dipped my toe on the fiction side first and realized that wasn't really for me. I didn't really realize the opportunity that existed when it came to nonfiction writing, though. And when you think about it, the opportunity is great and it's only going to continue to grow. Every company should have a website these days, right? And every website needs copy, it needs writing uh, to convey messages and marketing materials and all that good stuff. And most companies are going to opt to have a blog in order to connect with their customers. So if you think about that, looking at all the businesses worldwide, there's a lot of opportunity. I think it's just going to continue to grow as a way to, you know, research information about said companies, again, to connect with their audience, so on and so forth. But I didn't really get that before I started looking into it. I knew that online obviously existed and I used websites, but I didn't think that I would be, I guess, qualified to do the writing for them. Yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense, especially small business owners. That's, I think that's one of the things that paralyzes us is it is such a, a requirement and a lot of us don't have the skill set or don't have the time to create all of this content and most of it is still written content and that's that's where you come in. Uh, so one more question then on that transition. So you had started the freelance business on the side, you were generating enough revenue but making that last, taking that last step to give your notice, what was that like? How, how did you go through that and what were the reservations you had at that point in time? Well, I had a lot of respect for the firm that I was working with. They were a family-oriented business. So it was a father that had broken into the business 40 years ago. His wife you know, worked as kind of a support person, a receptionist in the office. And then his son had been working with him for the last 20 years. And so I had been kind of an adopted part of this family. I was with them for six and a half years. So as I was building this business, there was a little bit discomfort because I wasn't lying to them, but I was trying to do something different than, you know, staying within the firm for the next 30 years. And and so it kind of forced the conversation at a certain point because I had that respect for them. I wanted to be honest. And, and to my surprise, not completely, but they were very supportive that I wanted to do something different um, because of the respect that I had for them. I was fully intent on helping them to find my replacement and fully train them in. So I think anybody that's wanting to make a career change, you know, don't burn those bridges. Definitely, um, you know, I, I think it's a kind of gray area there for a while, but honesty, keeping your integrity is very important. And then one of the great things that came from that is I had that small practice. They were fine with purchasing it. So that helped to ease the transition a little bit for us financially. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a huge sum of money, but it helped. And then also they became one of my first clients because I ended up doing a little bit of consulting with them, continuing to write financial plans for the first six months after I left the firm. Yes. Right. So that, that definitely helped ease the transition, no doubt. So it was a fortunate situation, which is great. Totally. But I've heard from a lot of other freelancers as well that their former companies or bosses ended up being clients either right away or sometime in the future, which is kind of fun. And again, respecting the integrity of the relationship and and not burning those bridges. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's the great takeaway there. And and that's a great point. So what is freelancing, Uh, at least the, the type of freelancing that you were doing initially and that you teach others to do? What does that entail at a high level? 
Sure. Freelancing to me just means that you're trading a skill set for money. So you're self-employed, a solopreneur or a entrepreneur of one, and you're using whatever skills that you have and leveraging them to meet the needs of another small business owner. It's interesting because I think this is going to be the way that our economy continues to go. You know, we're very global in the way that we're doing business these days and with obviously the internet and different communication mediums. Like you can work with somebody overseas, you know, we're here in the U.S., we could work with people in Europe or Asia or anywhere really around the world. And um, if you know what you have to offer, if you know your worth, you can command probably higher prices than if you were to work doing something similar in corporate America where they're obviously getting uh, a profit off of your activities. Yeah. And you doing specifically freelance writing, which again, as you alluded to, that's that can be everything from uh, content for a website to a blog post to an article to anything that someone needs written for them and for their business. Do you deal mostly with small businesses, large businesses? What, what does your client usually look like? Usually small businesses and kind of my niche for both writing and more of the VA work is in the tech sector, which is kind of interesting because that's not really my strength, but male entrepreneurs that are in the tech space. So that's been kind of fun for me to learn different skills. And that's one of the best parts about being a virtual assistant is I've worked with these higher level kind of webpreneurs. So people that are entrepreneurs online and I'm learning all about sales funnels and conversion optimization and all these things that I, I wouldn't have otherwise encountered at that level. So I'm seeing it work in the inside of their businesses. And then I've been able to take some of that and apply it to my own as well. Very interesting. And then it was virtual assistant services. What, what are some of the typical services you're providing there? Sure. So I broke into it by doing primarily email management, and that's still the main activity that I'm offering for uh, these free clients that I've been working with for some time. And that, you know, involves going into their inboxes and filtering and replying on their behalf. Um, It also ends up being some customer service type of stuff. So answering questions and processing refund requests or subscription changes, things like that. That's just one area. When you think of a virtual assistant, I think the misnomer that exists is that it's a glorified um, like data entry person or a secretary or something like that. And customer service or data entry can definitely be a part of it, but it can also be marketing activities. It could be website management or blog management. It could be doing social media type of things. It could be, again, anything that somebody is looking to have help with that you have the skills to be able to deliver on. So I want to dive in in a couple areas and start with the first one you mentioned, which is email management. That's something, for example, I I have not done, but I have various business associates, friends of mine who have done it and, and think it's the best thing ever. Uh, the thing I struggle with as a small business owner, of course, which I'm sure you hear a lot is, well, I don't know if I want to give that control away or what, what about the personal aspect of it? So give me a little bit more about how you do that and why it is so beneficial for the clients that you do offer that for. Totally. Well, I think that email can be kind of an emotional thing um, because it is very personal. And so for the people that can give up that control, that can trust somebody else to take care of some or all of it on their behalf, it can be very freeing because I'm sure that you've gotten stuck in your inbox a time or two, not intentionally, you know, wanting to be in there for an hour or two or, or clicking refresh or having it open all day long. It can be very, very distracting, right? Yes. 
And so and, I think and for me, it is definitely, I have it open all day long because I'm at home office. So it is definitely, I've gotten better about compartmentalizing it. In other words, not being always looking for that notification on the bottom right that I've got a new message, but right. it is a distraction. It is a distraction. Yeah. We have this innate, or a lot of us, not everyone, but a lot of us have this innate, like there's a new message. I have to go check it out and it might need my immediate attention. And most of the time it's not something that's super urgent or important. And I think that's the biggest piece that I can help somebody with is just freeing that up mentally for them, knowing that it's taken care of, that they're not missing things, that they're servicing their customers or their clients, uh, but that's not consuming their main focus, which frees them up to do what they do best, whether that's create or uh, code or whatever the case may be. So I think that's where I come in handy. And then based on I think my skill level, um, also just kind of my aptitude for business, I feel like I treat their businesses like I would my own. So I have that, again, same respect for what they're trying to do and the personalization and, and things like that. Because there's obviously a lot of tools and apps out there that can do email management, but I think it lacks that personalization, right? So it can help with some maybe the filtering, but it won't go as, as far as being able to respond intuitively on a client's behalf. Um, right. So I think that's definitely helpful. And I got to think that you get better at it for a client over time. Is that a fair assessment as you learn more and more what what's important and how to reply to this and who needs to get through? Is, is that a fair assessment? Definitely, yeah. You'll, you'll figure out who their VIPs are. For the first two clients that I took on this for, they um, were not very like type A on the top of their email, which is why they needed my help even more. So yeah. I really learned about their business by going through that backlog of hundreds of messages with them first. So that was very helpful for me because we had this mass kind of amount of stuff to tackle that I could learn from. And they could, you know, we could do that together over the phone or Skype or whatever. So that kind of gave me a, a leg up on how they would respond. And then I would be able to manage the new stuff that came in in the same manner. Ask questions along the way, of course. Right. That makes sense. And then another example, you mentioned blogs. So you do everything from writing a, an individual article to managing the blog completely for someone. Is that correct? I could. I don't. Um, so I do do some writing though for a couple of my VA clients and and I'll be in there doing everything from the writing to the publishing inside of their site. Um, I actually have somebody that works with me on my team that does more blog management for me because as if you have a blog, I'm sure that you'll be able to understand that's almost like a full-time job in itself, right? right so I have right, service right. work, you have a blog, and if you have products and, and things like that, they're almost all their own businesses and it can get kind of overwhelming. So Mickey is a gal that helps me and she's great because we have guest posters on a regular basis. We do these profiles on other successful freelancers uh, and there's just a lot that kind of comes along with a blog as well. So that's a great service for somebody that has an active one or wants to have an active one. One of the ways that I've tried to approach that and have used virtual services and freelance writers for it is I, I, I'm pretty good about coming up with the idea for an article for a blog post and even outline it. But then it's great if I could have somebody then at least create the first draft of it, but then I'll take and edit and personalize. But that, that step saves me so much time, just having someone take my outline and idea and create a rough draft for me. Is that something you do with clients sometimes as well? 
Yep. There's one in particular. I just did that with the other day. And so then we bounced back the piece a couple of times. And you can do that just via email or we had a phone conversation this month that was really helpful for him because, you know, time is always a factor for busy entrepreneurs. And um, like you said, it just kind of freed you up to be able to do the pieces that were necessary on your behalf. So for small business owners like myself, uh, and we'll break it into two parts. Let's do the freelance piece, the writing part, like the example I just mentioned about a blog post. What should we look for when we are out there looking to hire somebody? There's so many options out there, right? There's all these sites out there like Fiverr and other sites that I can find these services. What should I be looking for? Well, I think competency is a big part, right? Like you need somebody that can write well, that is uh, responsible, communicative, that is able to deliver what you're looking for and deliver it on time. Um, I think it's always great in either instance, whether you're hiring a writer or a virtual assistant to start with some kind of test project or trial period, because that'll give you both the opportunity to see if you're a good fit. If that person can deliver what you're looking for, if they're easy to work with, and, and they get to figure that out as well from a client standpoint. Um, and then you're not kind of married from the get-go and you guys can part ways if it, it's not going to work out pretty easily without any hard feelings. Yeah, so that doing that trial project, that makes a lot of sense. On the virtual assistant side, give me an example of what would that be? In other words, would I, would I turn over my email to you for 30 days and see how it goes? Or would we work on a one-off project together? What do you recommend? You know, it depends on what you're comfortable with. With the clients that I've worked with, I offered a two-week trial because that was a great period of time to be able to figure it out um, if we were a good fit or not. And each three of those relationships, we moved forward. So I think two weeks is a good period of time. If you wanted 30 days, of course, you could take that. One week might not be enough, and one little project might not be enough, depending on how you're wanting to incorporate them into your business. Got it. That makes sense. And so obviously, I should look for someone who allows me that at least a trial period, no kind of long-term commitments. Those are things that are typically not being asked for in this industry, or do I need to be cautious of that? Well, I think that's why starting with a kind of trial arrangement is helpful. Personally, I like working with people on a more ongoing basis, both on the client side as well as the virtual assistant side. So I want to find people that, you know, have an interest in growing with me that I can train now once, continue to train over time. Obviously, we can develop those SOPs and things like that if they were to leave. Um, but I'm looking at growing a relationship rather than hiring people for one-off tasks. I've done that as well, and that, and that has its purpose. Um, but I would rather grow a relationship and kind of that team aspect, even though they're a virtual assistant working from somewhere else. That makes sense. So, Gina, in operating your business and, and working with your clients, I got to think organizational skills are critical. Would you share some tips, some thoughts on what you've seen and what you recommend for small business owners on this topic of getting organized? Sure. So what I personally like is Trello which is a free tool that you can use. It's a very visual representation of a to-do list. Um, they have things called boards and lists and then the individual tasks. And basically what's worked really well for me is to try and like pre-plan my week. So I have a list for Monday through Friday. I have a list of writing um, that I need to complete and that's organized by deadline. And then like projects again, that's by deadline that I'm working on currently. And what I like to do then is, you know, pre-fill what those days are going to look like ahead of time so that when I walk into Monday or Tuesday, 
you know, I can just sit down and get to work and it has some some semblance of order. Um, I think we get caught up in having really, really long to do lists. So if you could have somewhere between like three and seven things, including meetings and appointments, uh, that would probably be very helpful. And another change that I made uh, within the last six months is trying to group meetings. So podcast interviews or coaching calls, whatever the, the case may be on a certain days of the week. So it's evolved like everything always does, right? Now it's on Thursdays and Fridays. Fridays for me ends up being more of a free for all. Uh, and Thursdays was a good day for the clients that I was meeting with regularly. So on Thursdays and Fridays, I'll accept meetings. And then in the in-between times, I can plug in certain activities or tasks. But then Monday through Wednesday, I can really get focused on whatever client work I need to complete or projects that are a high priority for my business. And I've really enjoyed kind of that mental thought of going in, a, you know, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm just getting stuff done or, you know, maybe taking a day off every once in a while as well. Yeah, which is nice. Great. So I'll, I'll have a link to Trilo and, and the other resources that you will mention throughout on the show notes page at the how of business.com. So Various things you've shared, uh, not too long of a list, using a tool like Trello to keep you organized, um, grouping meetings and events so you better manage your day. And of course, we previously talked about leveraging a virtual assistant for things like email. So all of those are, are critical things that help small business owners. You yourself being a small business owner and managing a family and working at home, how do you, what are your tips for how you strike that balance of family time, work time, and making sure you have you know, the balance in your life? Great question. Um, Dave Ramsey, who is in the financial space, uh, counseling people to kind of take control of their financial freedom by paying off debt and all that good stuff. If you haven't heard of him, he's great. But yes. he has talked about this in one of his podcast episodes that I just love. And it's, there's, it's more of an illusion than anything. Like there isn't work-life balance. There's not two different buckets that you can put things in. It's just life, right? So at certain periods, your business is going to consume or need to consume more of you. And at certain points, your family is going to need you to be more present or proactive. So I think it's just doing the best that you can to realize that there's going to be kind of ebbs and flows or seasons of your life where you're going to be working more or you're going to be with your family more. Um, I, I don't know that I'm the best at this, but I, I try to think of it that way and then, you know, work harder on my business during certain seasons. And then the summer, for example, things are a little lighter and we have more trips planned. So just feeling good about being present with my family during that time. Yeah. I, I love that explanation of it and definition of it. And I think that's what makes most sense. I, I think that maybe even when we try to more traditionally, maybe because we thought that was the idea to compartmentalize it, we fail at it and then we feel bad about it. Right. right. Instead of understanding that it's like you said, it is your life. There's a flow to it. There are crunch times. There's sometimes when you make sacrifices, but it's all integrated. And like you said, you combine travel with work and all of that works together in your your life and you you this gives you the flexibility to be present at home but it's also what you do for a living right so it's intertwined no matter how much you might try to separate is that fair yes totally what would you say are a few or one or two of the keys to your success in business so far well hustle is probably a big one so you know it, it took even though it only took six months to make four thousand dollars on the side um that's actually still a lot of effort, right? And it's still a long time when you're in it day in, day out. So when I was 
breaking into this, I had um, a not yet two-year-old and our daughter was less than one. And so I was still nursing and then working full time. And I would get up and set my alarm for 4.30 in the morning in order to get in an hour or two on my new writing business and then do all the activities I needed to in the morning, get to work, uh, and then come home and, and sometimes work after work or I would reserve Fridays for that. I had to work obviously some weekends as well. Um, so I wasn't a stranger to hustle and to, you know, figuring out kind of what my why is and keeping that very prominent in my life so that I could continue on. Um, I think also having kind of a long-term time horizon was important. So it's been a little over two years now that I've been doing this. And I think you have to give yourself at least two years in a new venture, uh, to be successful. If you give yourself three months, you know, that's not enough time to know really if you're going to make it or not. And when you think about a new business, you know, you don't want to put in effort for only three or six months for something that you hope to be able to produce lifelong results for, right? So you want to work hard for an extended period of time, hopefully with some sort of balance so that you don't get burnt out, uh, but realize that it's really a long-term goal or more of a lifelong goal. Does that wonderful? Oh yeah, yeah. That's it. That's so. W can you share with us what your why is or was? Yeah, it was definitely my family and having that flexibility. You know, we didn't want to settle for kind of the status quo of of what it meant to raise a family these days, which um, would be both working full time and having our kids in daycare and not having really any time or margin in our lives. And you know, we were proactive and working towards what we wanted, although I don't know that we were always clear on what that would look like. As far as him staying at home, that was a pipe dream until we made it happen. Um, me, you know, working from home or working from anywhere, again, was kind of a pipe dream until you figured it out. But we knew kind of what our values were as a family, and that was to spend as much time as possible to be the ones that were raising our young children and, you know, and operate that way rather than thinking that we needed to keep up with the Joneses, for example. Right. And I'm suspecting that that vision, that why had to be strong enough to get you through that getting up at four in the morning, the hustle, the drive, the long-term commitment to it. I don't know that we can get through that without having that longer term vision or purpose that we're working toward. Would you agree with that? I would. And I think that most people fail because they give up too soon. And, you know, you just got to keep going if it's important to you, if you're really intent on making something happen, keep mo making moves and keep moving through the challenges to give yourself a chance at being successful. So I think that that comes back to that hustle, that discipline and willing to make sacrifices. Is that something that was instilled in you early on? Is that something you had to learn over time? When you had to dig in for that, to get you through those hard times, where did that come from? Yeah, I suppose I was kind of brought up that it was on me to figure things out and to make them happen. I came from, you know, a single parent household and uh, my mom didn't make a lot of money. She wasn't a college graduate. And so, you know, I knew early on that if I was kind of expected to go to college because that's where the opportunity for my future would be, but I was also expected to pay for it. And so I ended up going to college in Minnesota. We have something called PSEO, post-secondary enrollment options, when I was a junior and senior in high school. And I went full-time. I moved in with a friend of my mom's because there wasn't a community college that was close enough to our home. It didn't make sense to commute an hour each way. 
uh, every day. Obviously, that would be really expensive from a gas standpoint as well. But basically, the state of Minnesota then paid for half of my college education because I decided to go early. Um, and I think that that really framed the expectations for my future to figure things out, to do it, to work hard and kind of get what I want. Yeah, no doubt. Thanks for sharing that. All right. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more about Horky Handbook and share with our audience a bit more about the services that you offer. Sure. So Horky Handbook is definitely a place uh, where I encourage other freelancers to do what I've done, whether they want to become freelance writers or virtual assistants or something else. Um, you know, I want it to be a place that they can get the resources that they need to do business better, to charge what they're worth. Uh, and then, you know, I have a couple of courses that also have communities around them, both on the freelance writing and the virtual assistant side of things uh, to help them to dig in and to be able to connect with other people to also be successful. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Is there, a, Gina, a book or a resource that you've read or used recently that you would recommend to our listeners? Yeah. So one of my favorite reads, I actually downloaded it on Audible uh, was Anything You Want by Derek Sivers. And it's basically, um, the description is 40 lessons from a new kind of entrepreneur. He's behind CD Baby, which maybe a lot of people don't know 10 years ago, you probably would have. Um, but it kind of before iTunes and things like that, he helped musicians to publish online. And it's just a really great, inspiring listen or read that kind of helps you to figure out what kind of entrepreneur you want to be based on his experience experience you know just like uh, our family has kind of bucked the traditional trends of how to raise a family i kind of want to do that with my business as well and it can get hard because there's so many kind of experts out there touting advice that's like this is the way you need to do things and I think that we need to stop and listen to ourselves sometimes and like, what do we want to try? And it, it doesn't have to be about being as profitable as possible. It can be about, you know, determining how your business looks and how you want it to run and what you want to get out of it instead. Yeah, great recommendation. I'm, I'm fairly certain that I listened to the author of that book. He was interviewed by Tim Ferriss not too long ago. Tim Ferriss is one of the podcasts I listened to, and he was fascinating. So that's definitely a book I got to read. Thanks for that recommendation. Uh, well, great. We're going to wrap it up here now, Gina. Thank you so much for sharing all this valuable information and insights and advice. Any last parting thoughts for our small business owners who are listening? Well, there's two kind of mantras that I live by. The first one helped me in framing that hustle, and it's why not me, why not now? So I could flip that to you and say, why not you? Why not now? Kind of empower yourself and take control over your career future. And the second is, instead of thinking, like, what's the worst that could happen? Think to yourself, what is the best that could happen if you were to try something? Love that. Very powerful. Very positive. Gina, thanks for being with us. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much for having me. It was fun. Thank you. I appreciate it. Our pleasure. And folks, thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. You can find, again, all of the references, the recommendations that Gina shared on our show notes page at thehowofbusiness.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes, we would encourage you and thank you for subscribing to our show. And we look forward to having you on the next episode of The How of Business.
Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by LevanteBusinessGroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.